Hey friends, Abner Suarez here. You're tuning in to the new NUMA Godcast. Be sure to download, subscribe every week with my dear friend Norman Brown, who has a guest that will bring you insight, understanding, and tools to equip you to live in this world as God intended you to live. You are tuned in to the new NUMA Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, a.k.a. Professor and Justin Foster, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you either love it or you won't, because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's got to do it, and that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride, because it's going to be good. Peace. We're continuing on our series on identity, and uh, we're just kind of taking it to the next level, taking it to that next stage, because after you find out who you are, next question should be, why am I here? Because that is very important for all of us. When God created Adam, he didn't just put him on the earth and say, yo, have fun. See you later. Peace. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? He gave him a purpose. He had a reason why he put him here. But part of that reason, and this is the, this is probably going to be, we're going to address this from two different perspectives. The first perspective is going to be that God created man with a purpose. And the purpose was, number one, for God to have fellowship. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the number one reason why God created man. There was nothing else for us to do. There was no sin. There was no, we got to go out here and evangelize or anything like that. Right. It was strictly, I need somebody to talk to, someone to have a relationship with. That's why God initially created us. So from that point, from that perspective, then we can say, okay, well, if that's the case, then that's our number one priority all the time to be in relationship with God and fellowship with him. And I like the way Miles Monroe put it. He said, heaven is the atmosphere of God. And then he said, he was talking about how um, Eden, no, I think he said Eden. He said Eden is the atmosphere of God. The atmosphere of God had no location. Now, for those that haven't studied the word to know this, let me just put it like this. Number one, Eden is a place in, I mean, the garden was a place in Eden. Right. See, most times when people hear the word garden of Eden, they just assume the garden is Eden. Right. But it's not Eden. It's a part of Eden. Mm-hmm. But that brings us to the question of, well, if it's a part of Eden, what is Eden? And I love the way that God, I mean, that uh, Miles Monroe put it when he said, Eden is the presence of God, wherever the presence of God is, yeah. right? But to even take it to another level, here's another thing to really see in that. So when I look at the fact that God actually um, created us, for a certain purpose and the first purpose is to fellowship with him but the other thing was that it was a certain place where god placed us 
He didn't just put us anywhere. He put us in a certain place. Mm-hmm. And that was Eden. Even though it was a garden within Eden, it was still in Eden. Mm-hmm. So now that brings up the question again, like I said, what is Eden? Now, here's a way that, um, I mean, so we just, you know, we'll hit it little by little. But um, this is where, again, you know, for those of you that may not know how to study the Bible or whatever who are listening to this, this is where you can start to glean some principles of how to study the Bible. So, for instance, when you look at the fact that um, the word Eden means paradise, um, when you look up the word in the Hebrew, um, in the concordance rather, it'll show you it means paradise. It also means um, pleasure. Okay? Um, now, if you read a little further in the book of Genesis and it starts to talk about the story of Abraham and Sarah, there was a point in time where Sarah said, shall I pleasure my Lord in my old age? And that word pleasure is the word that same word is used. That means that's Eden. That is the Hebrew word Eden. Shall I give my Lord Eden in my old age? Okay, so Eden is a place of pleasure. Let's we'll we'll definitely set that in stone right now. That is a place of pleasure. But also it is a place of God's presence. Now when we think about it, the Bible says in Psalms, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm-hmm. In your presence is fullness of joy, but at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, and his she's talking about presence. That's what it really comes down to, is presence. So now, let's look at some other things. Paul said, I knew a man who was caught up to heaven, to the third heaven, he said, into paradise. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'll stop right there because I want to focus on paradise and the fact that it was third heaven. Third heaven is paradise. Paradise is third heaven. So when Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, there's another one, another mention. Now, we go into the book of Revelation and we see that it says that um, Jesus said, I will give unto you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is a key, very key scripture. Now we go back to the book of Genesis. There were two trees in, in the garden of Eden. Now, when you think about a garden, you go outside your house. Typically, a garden is a little small area that you just take care of and you get your little vegetables and stuff like that because you just want to have something to grow your own stuff, right? That's how most people do it, especially these days in the city or whatever where you don't have much property anyway and you want to just do something as like a little bit of a hobby or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I'm thinking about this garden, I'm thinking about, I think it's called the Botanical Garden down in D.C., I can't remember exactly the name of it. You know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a garden down there. I think it's called a botanical garden. And it is big. 
It's a bunch of shrubbery, stuff like that, growing and whatnot, beautiful stuff. So I'm thinking about something that's even bigger than that. Because think about it. This is where Adam lived. Yeah. This is where Adam was supposed to take care of things. Now, I'm not going to say that um, Adam never left the garden. I'm not going to say that because the Bible doesn't say whether he did or didn't. Yeah. Okay. But we do know by the fact that the Bible says that there was a cherub placed at the entrance of that garden to guard the way. There must have only been one way to get in. It had to be. Mm -hmm. Because the cherub was at the entrance blocking it so Adam could not go back in there. Now, this is interesting because it's gonna, I think it's going to explain a lot. Now, when you think about the Bible says there were two trees that were in the garden that were specifically spoken of. One was a knowledge of good and evil, and the other one was the tree of life. Mm -hmm. Now, when you put all the stuff that I just said together, we're saying the paradise is third heaven. Heaven is where God is. Heaven equals paradise equals the garden of the, or Eden rather. Why? Because God, Jesus called paradise the place where the tree of life was. We know the tree of life was in the garden of Eden, which is part of Eden. So therefore, Eden is heaven. Mm -hmm. And the garden is a place in heaven. This is powerful because this is going to explain a lot of things about why people miss certain things about the Garden of Eden. Number one, there is no place on earth where you can find Eden. Nobody can find it. It's not on earth. Right. They have not been able to locate this. Even though the Bible gave us specific rivers, and certain details about what's found here in certain places and whatnot. Talked about the onyx, the gold, the, you know, all the stuff, the, the river Gishon, the river of all those things, Euphrates, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you look at the map and you say, okay, Euphrates is running this way, Tigris is this way, onyx, like, they don't even look like they come together anywhere. How in the world was a garden here? And this, where four rivers came out of, man, I'm gonna tell you. I don't know if I, um, I don't know if I have it with me, but I want to one day touch on that whole thing about the four rivers. Oh my God, mm -hmm. it's good. Yeah. I, I did a study on that. It's some good stuff, man. Yeah. Um, but but getting back to the point of the um, the rivers and the, and all that stuff, those were landmarks. Things that should have been able to give us a clue to say, oh, that's where Eden is then. That's where the garden was. But when we look at those things on the map, they don't line up to what the Bible is saying in that regard physically. Mm -hmm. But what that should really show us is that it's not a physical place. Right. It's a spiritual place. But what it also should show us, should, should show us is that Man before sin had a was able to easily what we could call migrate or whatever you want to call it between heaven and earth. Yeah. 
Because think about it, even when John was on the Isle of Patmos, he went into that vision and then it says he looked up and saw a door open into heaven and he said, come up here. And we don't know how far it was that he went up when it said that. But the point is, he said, come up here. He goes up there and then he's in heaven. Yeah. So the bottom line is, that's very well how it could have been. I think it was even better than that with Adam. I think it was to the point where because there was no sin, I believe that he probably was able to do what Jesus did in his glorified body. Not saying that he was needing to, you know, walk through doors or anything. Not that they even had doors, but I'm just saying, you know, he was, I believe that in a state of no sin, that there was this open veil, so to speak. There was this open thing to heaven where mankind could go to God and he would come to them at any moment. It was no separation. There was no division. There was no thing that was like, oh, wow, I, one day I'm going to come there. You know what I'm saying? No, it's every day I can go and I'm talking to my father. That's why the Bible even says that God will come to him in the spirit of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, it says the cool of the day in the, in the King James Bible, but it's, that word is spirit. In the spirit of the day, he would talk to the Lord. There's some depth to that that I'm not even going to try to get into right now, but that's, that's really good stuff to study. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that um, the presence of God was there full, full time. No break in it. No, sometimes he's here, sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes he manifests, sometimes he doesn't. It was nothing like that. So the thing is, is that, you know, when we think about um, the way that uh, that relationship was, it was such freedom there to the point where Adam could be naked before the Lord. And that is, yes, that was physically but that's also spiritually. He was laid bare before the Lord. There was nothing to hide. There was nothing that was causing any rift between them, any kind of division, any kind of beef, nothing like that. So there was just, it was just whenever I need to see him, boom, I go to see him. Whenever he wants to see me, he comes to see me. And there was nothing, nothing abnormal about that. That was normal for Adam. Yeah. So now here comes his wife. And it's still normal for them. They have that interaction with God, you know. Now, we don't see where the Bible says that, you know, um, God came to Eve and Adam in the cool of the day or the spirit of the day. However, if we look at it from the perspective of male and female created he them and it said God made man and he called them Adam, then we could say, he did come to both of them in the spirit of the day because they were called Adam. Right. It was Adam that called Eve who she was, but God called them Adam. Right. See what I'm saying? Adam, which means from the earth. So, but, but here's the point that um, when you look at that situation, everything starts with the relationship with God, the, fe- the fellowship with God. That's where why I'm here starts. So 
Why am I here? I'm here to fellowship with God. When I fellowship with God, what's going to happen? Then he's going to give me purpose out of that. Right. He's going to give me a job to do. The job could be what Adam was doing, taking care of that garden. That was all he had to do was take care of the garden. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like something real big to us today? No, it doesn't. That's actually pretty, you know, I mean, stress-free, I would think. You know what I'm saying? All you're doing is trimming some things or whatever, you know, whatever, like whatever that entails. I'm yeah. not a gardener. I'm not going to say I know all that that would entail, but I'm sure there's some fertilizing, there's some taking up weeds, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I realize that the Bible says thorns and thistles were yeah. after sin, so maybe weeds came after sin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you seem like you want to say something, though. Oh, yeah. So I think that's good. Um, as you were speaking, it actually gave me some insights on, because I think that often, you know how the scriptures say meditate day and night. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we read, but we really don't meditate. But I think as you were kind of speaking, I was kind of meditating, thinking because, um, of course, the God, you know, had some natural aspects to it like you were saying yeah. you know, it had literal trees like, yes. but in another sense because it was the presence of heaven the garden represents so much more than just a physical garden mm-hmm. because the entirety of creation at that point was in a garden-like state so to yeah. think of it like for example um um, I believe that that garden means so much more like, for example, um, we are called the temple of God or the, the field of God. We are God's work. We are God's field. And the scriptures say in different places. So actually man himself was also created like a garden to tend to his being because our whole, our whole purpose and process of being with the Lord is to gradually grow more and more and more and more and more into his likeness and into his image. So even man's heart, man's spirit, man's soul, and man's body were created in a garden-like state because when God, like you were saying, for God to have fellowship with us, that means that that fellowship is going to grow and intensify and intimacy and closeness and, 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 and power so that part of that fellowship is actually us stewarding our mind. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy to believe. I honestly believe as much as Adam could do some incredible things, I believe he still had to grow. Like he had to grow and he I had to I believe that too. Yeah. I believe that. Because he wasn't mature. Right. He just was brought into being exactly but he wasn't like it wasn't like he just came in just doing stuff i believe god was testing him little by little so to speak Mm -hmm. giving him little things well i won't call it little but giving him things to do like name all the animals that wasn't no little feet but i'm just saying you know you're like well, that's the precipitous rectus minimus or somebody whatever like you know what i'm saying yeah it's it's crazy because it's like it's it's funny because we we like you were saying we gloss over things so quickly in scripture. But check this out. I was thinking on that 
first of all, we don't know how long that process took yeah. for him to name animals. And also, I don't believe, as it's often been taught, that God just brought an animal and he named it. Where I believe is that how it will often say that God saw the light, that it was good, and he called it day. He saw such and such, and he called it, you know, the sperm, and he called it the sky. He, so he saw something, then he called it. But I believe it's more than just the seeing. I honestly believe that Adam went and spent time with these animals. Maybe he was playing around with them, you know, riding on the back of a rhinoceros, whatever it was. But I honestly believe it was an intimate thing. Like he actually spent time, hung out with these animals, and he began to know them. You know, he began to understand like, oh, this is a such and such. You know, I don't believe it was a, a showcase process, but we kind of get that in our Western mind. Because everything that God does is so personal. And this process could have took, who knows, weeks, who knows, months in our idea of time. It could have yeah. took years for all we know. As many as creatures that are. There are even creatures exactly. we're just finding out about. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So this process was obviously a very personal thing. But again, I think even in that, you see kind of like the growth, the process of Adam getting to understand creation, getting to understand himself, getting to understand his abilities and his 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 resources and what actually God has placed around him and within him. And so that kind of goes back to what you were saying. It kind of ties into um, what Paul says into like, like us and Christ being newborn babes and us actually having every good thing in us. And so it's like so much there that now this process is actually a, a journey we get to take with God and actually discovering what it is he's placed within us. And I think Solomon said it in the Proverbs, he said that the heart of a man is like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws it draws out. It out. Yes. And that's like our entire process with God is, is to know him and to be known by him, mm-hmm. to allow him to say, hey, let me show you this about you. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy because um, I can look at times in my life where you know God pulled me up. I mean, not pulled me up in a bad way, but he, he reveals something new. He'll say, hey, you actually have this in you. Like you, you only thought you were, you know, a, um, a, a speaker. But hey, I've also made you um, an encourager. I've also made you um, somebody who has a gift of compassion, you know, or and stuff like that. You know, like different little things, different little quirks. Like, hey, you know why you why you fold your hand like that? It's because I've given you an aptitude in this particular thing. You know what I'm saying? And so you kind of, as you go along with God, he kind of minds those things out. And you're realizing that you and him are tending to the garden of, of like your life, of the world, of your relationships, of your families. And all of it is a process of, of growing those things, refining them, cutting back the hedges of those things, you know, and allowing it to flourish. And so I think that word garden is just such a powerful, powerful term. I think it kind of captures the entirety of our walk with God and with Christ. Well, it's interesting that you said that because I was thinking about a little bit of what you're saying right now. Um, and to expand on that, if we look at a garden, it has multiplicity of things. We're talking about, let's just say if it's a vegetable garden. It's got green beans, squash, watermelon, strawberries. It's got blackberries. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. all these different colors, shapes, sizes, um, flavors, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just a multiplicity of things. So that means it's variety. It's not all the same thing. It ain't like God said, here's a white wall. I want you to paint it blue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all he did was paint blue every day. Yeah. It was a different thing every day. 
a different thing to tend to every day. It was a different type of fruit to, to look at or to smell or taste or whatever. It was a different kind of tree to prune, mm. the different branches to prune, whatever. It was different stuff every day for him to deal with. And they were different sizes. They were different flavors, like I just said. They were different um, dimensions to them or whatever, or different things you did with those things. Like everything is not used for the same thing. You don't make, um, you might make blackberry cobbler, but you can't make a green bean cobbler. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody probably will try to do that now. You know what I'm saying? But whatever. The point is, it won't be the same. The point is, it won't be the same. So the thing is, is that, um, I look at the fact that there were a lot of different things in that scenario where, um, where, you know, he was dealing with different types of products. Um, he was dealing with different types of, uh, uh, fruit, vegetables, whatever the case may be. And we can look at that as there are different products we deal with. There are different types of, um, uh, types of, uh, Things that we want to sell, make, whatever the case may be. Things we want to build, whatever the case may be. But all those kind of things, they're coming out of the same place. The same place that God gave us from the beginning. But now what we're doing is we're discovering. We're discovering, we're experiencing, we are watching things grow. We're watching things develop. We are like, oh, wait a minute, the watermelon came up faster than these strawberries. Hmm. Okay. Now, does that make that better than the strawberry? No. It just grows faster for whatever reason. So I now benefit from that fruit. Let me eat some watermelon today. Oh, now finally, uh, it's the time of year for the strawberries to be good. Okay, let's eat some strawberries now. You see what I'm saying? So we can look at that from the perspective of a business, a company, a ministry, or whatever, and that will give us a fuller understanding of how God will give us certain things. Like it develops differently depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the, let's say the blueberry represents a book you're supposed to write. And then the strawberry mm-hmm. is another book you're going to write, but that's going to be later down the road because that's not for now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or you got a TV broadcast that's going to come up and that's another time because it takes six years for, uh, uh, um, what are those trees, the bamboo trees? It takes oh. six years for them to even get up out of the ground. Oh my God. Yo, can you imagine that? Wow. Six years, the, the roots and everything are developing under the ground. Then all of a sudden, I think it's in the seventh year, it shoots up like this. Wow. And it seemed like this grew overnight, but it wasn't. It was developing roots underneath first. Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. everything develops differently. God, you know, this is, and now it's going to make me want to study plants and stuff now. <laughs> I'm not going to be a botanist, but I'm going to study some plants. Yeah. I'm going to study trees and plants because I want to see like how the growth rates and the different ways that they grow and what they look like. Cause I mean, think about it like this. And I forget who said this, but I heard somebody talk about this. They said, the reason why a watermelon could not grow on a tree is because when it got 
even close to being full size. That thing will fall off and hit you in your head. <laughs> it had to grow on the ground right. with a little vine, com- you know, attached to it, and it's laying right there. You couldn't have that in a tree. But then what's funny is you have this big tree that got these little nuts on it like that. <laughs> like pecans and stuff like that. So it's like you don't know. I mean, even when you look at it from that perspective, it's like you don't know how things are going to grow, how big they're going to be based on the tree all the time. Uh, yeah. That tree could be so big but yet produce something this small on the branches when it's finally grown. So, but then this thing could be so small, but it has this big old watermelon fruit there. You know what I'm saying? That's that's as big as a hundred of those put together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You see you see I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. And so when, we, when I think about that, I'm like, and actually, in all honesty, just to be real with y'all, this conversation is making me think about this. Yeah. Like, I'm really like, man, I really need to do some, like, research and stuff now. I need to yeah. understand some things about how things develop because the reason why I say that is because a lot of times people are trying to rush things to happen in their life. Mm. People want something to happen wow. faster in their life than it is. And they're thinking, wait a minute, man. Like, I looked at him and he's doing this. <laughs> I looked at her and she's doing this. And they started the same time I did. Well, what if their thing was a, you know, yours is a, a bamboo tree and the other one's got a, a watermelon? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you see the watermelon faster. But does that mean it's more significant? Because there's some significant things you could do with bamboo that you could never do with the vine that a, a watermelon grows on. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because the actual watermelon is really huge. I mean, it can be huge depending on what kind of watermelon you're growing. And that vine is pretty much good for nothing after that. But if you have a bamboo tree, that bamboo is so hard. It can be used for so many things and it's very durable wood. It's crazy how durable that wood is, how strong it is. For it to be hollow as well, that's even crazier, man. Like, I don't know what in the world bamboo is. I mean, I know that it's a, it grows in the ground, but I don't know how God made that such in such a way that it's so strong the way it is. It's yeah. crazy, man. But the point I'm making in all of this is that when we look at what's happening with the other people around us in their life and stuff like that, we can't say that just because we see something we call fruit in their life, that that means it's because they're better than us, that they're doing better than us, that they understand how to make things happen faster than us. You know what I mean? They got a better marketing plan. They got more of a bigger email list. Or You know, we can't look at it like that. And while I'm saying this, I'm encouraging myself, by the way, while I'm encouraging those listening. Because I'm just like, sometimes we lose sight of these things. It's easy to lose sight of those kind of things. And so the point is that when you look at all these kind of things and you put it all together, it's like God gave Adam what seemed to be a simple task, but there was a lot involved. That's a lot of different things, man. I mean, you think about it. There's a lot of different types of fruits, vegetables, flowers, 
all that, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it boggles my mind. The Venus flytrap boggles my mind because it's like it's an animal, but it's a plant. Mm. How in the world does a plant clamp down when an insect gets in it and trap it? And then basically that becomes its food. How in the world is that happening? Like, yo, that's like a half-breed. It's a plant animal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, uh, you, yo, you probably don't know nothing about this show, but there was a show back in the day called Manimal. And even people that are my age don't even remember this show. And it was in the 80s. It came out in the 80s. And it was called Manimal. This guy could turn into animals. And he would do certain things. He was supposed to be like, I don't, to be honest, I don't really, really know what was the point of him being able to turn into these animals. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, when you think about it from the perspective that typically people like you and I look at things from, then we could be like, or well, maybe he was a, a, a wizard or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a warlock and he was <laughs> shapeshifter or something like that. So, I mean, but back in the day, the way that they made it seem like, I don't know. I don't remember it well enough to say this is why he was able to change like that or whatever. I just know that that was the name of the show, Manimal. And he was a man that could turn into like a hawk or a leopard or something like that. Like those are the two things I remember, a bird and a, it was some kind of a cat. I think it was a leopard or something. But um, anyway, <clears throat> the point I'm making is that... Uh, you know, overall, when we look at different things that people are accomplishing in their life, we can't look at those things as the measure as to where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. 